Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. And I'm Andy Berry. And JP's over there. Hello. We have four we people have four. on this podcast. It's too many people. <laughs> what, if we're re- what if it's like the best show this ever? This podcast is four. a three-person podcast now, though. Like, Andy, you're basically pivotal now. Sure, I'll take it. You're uh, stuck. Yeah, well, that's what we found from the, from the listeners, that they were getting tired of just our two... Or uh, two voices going back and forth. Two old coots. We need a third in there. Really quickly, before we get into the meat of this, uh, rest in peace, Cormac McCarthy. Oh, yeah. We'll be addressing that on the podcast yeah. later in the month. Um, but, but yeah. like, I was really bummed, and nobody understood how bummed I was. When you said McCarthy's dead, I literally looked up Paul McCarthy. Or Andrew and, like, McCarthy? You no, know, I looked up Paul McCarthy. I mean, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, I would have... Andrew McCarthy, I'm sure you're out there, like, living your best life. But, like, I would have preferred you died to Cormac McCarthy. Well, you wanted him to finish the road script. There's no way he finished that. Uh, the Blood Or the Meridian. Blood Meridian script, uh, yeah. There's rumors he probably finished the first draft, is the thought. Um, In 1987. Yeah. He's just been sitting on it for years. You know what? You would actually, oh, I'll say this. People say Blood Meridian's unfilmable. It's easily filmable. You just have to, like, be okay with, like, ripping a baby apart on screen and that is completely fine with me. I think it's perfectly filmable because I think there is actually it's very dense and difficult to it's read. It's tangible. But it's it's the images are very very clear. Yeah. Um it's visceral. You it's don't need every thing. single like attack on a native american encampment. You can yeah, do Yeah. You can do tons of talking between like everybody that's like in this group. And like, the I mean, judge the, the hard, and like all this the other stuff. The hardest part of that to film is going to be the rape at the end when the judge rapes the kid. But, but like, you can also, but you also don't, that. But you so. also don't necessarily like the thing about Blood Meridian, and we're, we're down a rabbit hole now that we should maybe save for a couple no, fine, weeks from now. The thing about Blood Meridian is that the judge. <laughs> anybody, if anybody still listens to this podcast, they, they love the fact that we're doing this. The judge is a deeply corrupted human, like way is before he? I that. Think he's pure, but it's it's pure this corruption. Is why, this is why I like to talk about next week, like what our when we do the uh, next podcast, Passenger. It's like everyone says, like, oh, the the judge is like the biggest villain, and I'm like, the judge is like the cleanest, purest character of a human in the history he, of literature. He just has one. Yeah, Harold, Harold Bloom he's, agrees with you, but he's a person. Well, but he also has one. He has a singular, uh, a singular focus that was almost kind of like ordained to him, not through like a Christian God, but through like life. the fucking you know that the cesspool that all life it's, sprang it's, it's, from. It's, it's, he just it was no, no so but you know what I mean. Like that's why I always that's why I always get like angry about with like Bloodberry. It's like oh, it's so like dark and so but it's like no, the judge is just a, a manufacturer. Like he is a facsimile or a creation of the world around him. It's, he's not dark. He's, he's definitely evil, quote-unquote. But he's evil only by the quote of literature and by art. He's just a person. Like, he's definitely a person who has a shitty point of view, but it's not necessarily the most evil thing. Well, but it's because he's not interested in the money. He's not corrupted by the capitalism. He's, he's just, just a, in it to, just a, to do the thing yeah. that nature requires exactly. him to do. But what I would say is that you can do, you can 
You can do everything. The, the darkest parts of that book for me have nothing to do with any raids in any Native American camps or anything the judge does or anybody. Babies that's, being torn it's apart. That scene, yeah, I don't care about that. It's the scene like where they're crossing the desert and like he's describing for like four pages like the plains of glass and like the heat, well, no, like how no, the, the heat. Thing, the thing, but that's the no, stuff exactly. that like, the, thing, the thing that sits to me is like the judge talking to the kid about what he could do to him. Mm. It's just like the uh, ownership of a being. The judge just saying, like, I own you. Sure. It's the best parts of that. But yeah, because he's the only one that doesn't, like, seem to be affected by anything that's going on around him. And oh. everybody else is, like, deeply affected by it. You know what I'm sometimes affected by? Beer. And beer... That's a good one. ...is, is sometimes presented by Fat Orange Cat. And we get some baby kittens, which is, to my, my opinion, the best regular new, like... Flagship. Southern Connecticut style flagship beer. I mean, I would definitely say, you know, Sea Hag is the top, but Babykins is also solid, and they have done a ton of variations of Babykins. And today we're drinking Dazed and Confused Teenage Kittens. So I've drank Baby Elves. We drank Baby Elves. Oh yeah, 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 yeah Baby yeah. Elves was one. Uh, there was there were some other variations. This is a 7.5, I assume, or maybe it's a double. 7.1 Dank Hazy IPA. Doesn't have much variation. Doesn't have much to say besides Dank Hazy. It's pretty dank. Tap it. Oh, that smells dank. Yeah. That's dank, but boring. <laughs> it's kind of flat. It's, it's a little. It's a little dull. I've had this. I've tasted like a beer like this before. It's got a very heavy, like, like a drop of something on your tongue, like immediately, and then just kind of like dissipates. Yeah, it's just kind of um, very inoffensive, grassy. JP, I guess. Thoughts on the beer? Inoffensive. It's very, inoffensive. it's very hoppy, very bitter, but just I don't think it's, away. I don't think it's that hoppy. I think it's well, grassy. That's, that's the initial taste. But not it's grassy enough. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to be grassy, be grassy. It's, it's trying to be something. Be fucking postscript, assholes. <laughs> Imagine if you're trying to be something, you would be Paul Schrader, because you're always trying to be something. And I disagree. You He's, no, but sometimes, he you, sometimes you are something. No, let me finish. Sorry. <laughs> sometimes you are something, and sometimes you're not something. Sometimes you're American Gigolo, and sometimes you're First Reformed, and sometimes you're Master Gardener. The Nandina is a species of flowering plant native to Eastern Asia. The smell at certain times of the year gives you a real buzz. Like the buzz you get just before pulling the trigger. I have a favor to ask. What is it? My grandniece. I would like you to take her on as an apprentice. She dropped out of school, and then she ended up in a bad crowd. You'll learn how to garden. Are you satisfied with the life that you have? Why would you ask that? You know, you talk a lot of shit, but there's one thing you don't talk about. What's that? Yourself. Well, there's not much to know. Master Gardener, that's a better movie. That is a better yeah, movie, yeah. I mean, I'm not even going to cut movie. this out. John Bernthal in Master Gardener, because I was thinking about that Everybody. the whole time. Like, who could else could have done this besides Everybody. goddamn fucking Joel Edgerton? Everybody. <laughs> who I... It, I've been on the record I, on I, this show a lot. Jason Clark and Joel Edgerton can both... Clark. 
climb Clark, into a fucking Clark, barrel and Clark, toss himself Clark would have carried this movie, though. Clark would have tried. But he's... Do the thing. We have to talk about this. On Honestly, the like, who cares? Think about the plot of this. Uh, Joel Edgerton plays Narvel Roth. Narvel. I, I don't know where <laughs> we come up with that. Was. He is the uh, master gardener for... Um, the Gracewoods Gardens. The Gracewood Gardens, which is like an old plantation garden in New Orleans, Louisiana, yeah. Mississippi, one of those states or cities. Um, I'm writing that, skeleton, skeleton Geek quite often mm. this movie, which is a better movie. That's that Joshua Jackson movie, right? No, that's the uh, Peter Skarsgård. That's a skeleton club. Yeah. I'm thinking of the Peter Skarsgård, um, Kate Hudson movie. Like oh, the I horror movie. I saw that one. It's better than whatever this well, was. Yeah, yeah okay. I feel like we're going down Armand White things here. Yeah. When he's just like, this movie's no good. Do you know what movie would have been better? This other movie that has nothing to do with anything. Um, They're both in New Orleans. The house is, is owned by Sigourney Weaver, who uh, or Norma Haverhill, who's uh, played by Sigourney Weaver, who's pretty good in this. She's really good, yeah. Um, although she's she has some pretty stupid things to say, yeah, which is unfortunate. End, yeah. um, we'll talk about that. She has a... I thought, I thought this... Familial lineage was a little too like, I don't know, obscure. It didn't make a lot of sense. It needed like a minute and a half of like exposition to it kind was, of like was, explain how also, we got there. Also, like there was too much exposition. It was weirdly defined. Yes, but it was weirdly defined for like a very good reason. Like it was to it was supposed to like you know mirror like that you know the slavery stuff. It doesn't matter. Um, her niece comes to her grandniece Grand comes yeah. to live and be an apprentice with Narvel. Uh, played by Quintessa Swindell. Swindell, right? yeah. Her name is Maya. She's she's good. I thought she was really yeah, good. I, I actually really good. I, it's funny. I was I think all the performances in this movie are great except for one. Well you know what? And I don't even know if he's I hate him so much. I don't know if he's good or bad. I thought there was a couple of beats in here where I was like I thought he'd sold that pretty good. He walks like a douchebag the whole time. He's one of those actors who like you make we make fun of like method actors, you know. I mean, for like all the shit that they go through, but at least like they figure out how their character like moves through the world. And he clearly, they were just like action, and he just started going <laughs> like down all the. And it's just like, dude, try a little bit. Um, but he's, I mean, so I'm gonna do a little spoiler alert stuff here. We find out as the movie goes on that he used to be um, uh, a white supremacist, and that his being here at this estate and working as this master gardener as part of his witness protection program um, that he's been placed in. And he's like trying to, you know, be a better, or he is a better person. He turned on, you know, the, the white supremacist that he was in a group with, like a militia type thing. And, and now he's, and now he's living here. He takes on Maya as an apprentice. They get very close. The, the relationship between, Sigourney, Weaver, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character and Joel Edgerton's character fractures because he is Maya is um, is uh, half black. And are, we, are we supposed to assume that Sigourney Weaver and Edgerton have had like a relationship? In the past? Ha- it seems like they have sex on Often, like a, a right? schedule, yeah. 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 But it seems like when they show it that she's getting off on his on his like racist past. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, and be and you know, there's a couple of things at the end of the movie uh, when he goes back. He gets fired, and then he goes back, and um, he's now in a relationship with Maya, and he tells Sigourney Weaver, and she's like, that's obscene. And then she holds a really old gun at him, and he's just like, that gun's not going to work. And then she throws it, and he's like, we'll talk about this tomorrow. And then the movie ends. Um, it's 
I'll I'll start, I guess, and it, we this doesn't have to be a super long conversation. He's made three of these movies in a row now. This I guess is, he's made like, like this is the last of the trilogy of the trilogy, of the first reborn, yeah. uh, card counter, and this movie. This is by far the the lesser of of by far the lesser of those three movies. We both loved First Reformed, and yeah, feel for you yeah. to chime in on First Reformed. Have JP, you seen First Reformed? No, I haven't. JP loved First Reformed. I really liked the card counter. It made my top ten. I think it's fun. I thought it was a good. I think it's. I think it's interesting and and smart. And he's got Oscar Isaac there to sell like no. a bunch of kind of not the preposterous aspects of it because there's always a preposterous aspect to all of these. I didn't think Oscar movies. Isaac was fully sold on the card counter. Oh, I think he was fully sold on it. I think the script didn't 100% know how he got to the place that he was. But I feel like he sold like he he did. But like right we don't, but we don't know it. Um this movie is uh ham-fisted in its metaphors. Joel Edgerton is terrible. It has a weird like it's divided into like I don't know thirds but two thirds of the movie are the same movie and then their last third is like not the same movie where he kind of gets fired then he's going to like get some vengeance for his girlfriend who I mean we could kind of talk about this um we don't need to go into all the details I mean like how that works but it doesn't I thought this it doesn't really this one doesn't really work although I had a pretty good time uh, when I could get over Joel Edgerton's like face and mannerisms and like in <laughs> line readings and some of the really clunky line readings, because I just kind of dig, the, I dig the vibe that he's putting out there. But every time he went to sit down to a notebook, I was like, "You're not doing this right." <laughs> well, there's, there's that. That's then that's my opinion of it. Like we texted while we were watching this movie. Like Andy watched it first, and like we're just like, "How much did he Joel Edgerton?" Like we talked about that. Um, it feels very line ready. It it. Like, you cannot get close to this movie because Joel Edgerton isn't a good enough actor to, like, make Paul Schrader's words work. Mm-hmm. Paul Schrader's, I don't think, a good enough writer to... He is uh, a, a theater writer. So ultimately, like, the things he says have to be, like, presented with a certain amount of volume, a certain amount of... Sure. Gravitas. And you need Oscar Isaac to lean over a table or, at, at a kid and be like... You know, yeah. You some, need, tell you need Ethan Hawke to say Fuck this. Yeah. You need fucking De Niro in Taxi Driver to say this. And just like you every need time, every James time James Dean in the Canyons to say something like this. Exactly, rapist. Um, oh, I'm getting electrocuted. <laughs> That's not great. Okay, continue. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> but no. Um, the thing that doesn't work about this, I I don't dislike Joel Edgerton. I think he's just a guy. Like mm-hmm. he's like one of those actors who like. I'm fine with, but he's never going to carry a movie for you, and it shows here because like this script doesn't work. It is very like on the nose, which like a lot of most of Paul Schrader's new works are on the nose. Mm. I think everything since the Canyons has been on the nose. It just gets you know Ethan Hawke just Ethan Hawke and um, Amanda Seyfried did so much work with First Reformed to make that a movie. Yeah, um, and I I did not love Card Counter because I. I don't know. Like it's just relying on Oscar Isaac and um, the kid. Is that that's not a Sheridan? Ty Sheridan, Ty Ty Sheridan, Sheridan who yeah. stinks, but in that yeah. movie, but, but like he's just overmatched. Yeah, and he's getting eaten. Yeah, Oscar but Isaac. like like I think Paul Schrader just like he he creates a movie, but he doesn't have any like real solid sense of person. Uh huh. And this movie 
shines through with that. Like I think I think Scoring Weaver does a great job. And Scoring Weaver is doing like a lot of heavy lifting, but Joel Edgerton, who's not like a really matched actor, just is kind of sleepwalking through it. That's and it a, ends up being I think a that's board. a really good point. Then I turn to you, Andy. The um there's a couple of like scenes where that they I have together. Eddie? Andy. Okay. Um, I just said it really it fast. like I said Eddie. I'm just to you, Eddie. No. Um where she she delivers a line like pretty well and it just kind of like bounces off of him and you can kind of see that she's just like <sighs> so her next line reading seems like out of place or weird because it's just like and he's you know he's not giving her anything and she's trying to give him yeah stuff. no for so sure. there's the tone of like each scene the is last, off the last movie we'll talk about which i'm effusive about like the musicality of this movie Dear is God. off you effusive We'll talk about it. We sure will, buddy. <laughs> Andy, what I, did you I think? I fucking knew that was going to happen. <laughs> this movie's weird. I don't even know why it has to exist. Um, it just, we should, if we titled this episode, that's what this episode would be titled. Because one of us is going to say that about every single one of these movies. Probably. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I like the Quintessa Swindell. I think she's really, really good in this. Um, I'm excited to see what she does next. Mm-hmm. Um, How old is she? 26, I think. Where is she from? Trinkets and Euphoria? Okay. Yeah, she's, she's... Oh, she was in Black Adam. Yeah. I remember her kind of in that, because that movie was in one eye and out the other. But um, the dialogue Shit, in this is Black very, Adam. very rough. Um, it just doesn't feel natural. Almost anything no, anyone was sure. saying felt weird. Just Everything felt weird, and then the story didn't make any sense. But it felt weird like in... A, like I don't know if you agree with this. Like, it felt weird in a very, so like it's it's a very like, it's an aggressively kind of weird movie in the sense of like nothing makes sense. And like Quintessa, uh, Sundwell, who uses they, them pronouns. We apologize. We did not know that till this last minute. Uh, does a great job, but like, like Scorny Weaver is also doing a lot of work. Joel Edgerton just is out of his element, I think, in this film. Like, he just feels lost. Well, I think that's the problem with Joel Edgerton is that he probably shouldn't be out of his element. Like, I think as a, from, like, a just a, a, you know, an actor standpoint, or, like, based on looks and maybe a lack of personality, like, a Paul Schrader, you know, man who writes in a journal guy is probably, like, up his alley. I just don't think he's a very good actor. Imagine, like, Jay Courtney in this, though. Jay Courtney would have, like, owned the shit out of this. You should get Tony Leong to do one of these. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really good. Um, the relationship between them just didn't make any sense. Um, the, the most awkward sex scene I've ever seen in my life. I, I didn't even get. I didn't even um, get to that point. So I did not get to that point because like their literal conversation with one another was just like so droll and boring, and yeah. had no weight behind it. That I just like. Gave That's up. why I don't understand how their relationship evolved. It, it, it wasn't earned. Just, no, and that's I think the Paul Schrader way now is that like these relationships just get kind of like thrown together because they need like, to have somebody to talk to. But like, but like when Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried fuck in First Reformed, like it makes sense. Well, and like everything happening with that makes like the entire sort of the green screen scene that happens. Yeah. But oh, so you didn't that even happens after that. You didn't makes, even get to the Bo is afraid part of this movie. <laughs> Where after they have sex and they drive down the street and just Bo is afraid, like background. Uh, I did not get animated and everything. I I I tapped out thirty minutes into this movie. Oh, you missed it. (laughs) 
You missed the garden growing. Do I, do I have to? Do I have to watch you this? You didn't no. actually miss anything. Okay, good. It was definitely. I took my eyes off my. I watched it on my computer. I took my I eyes off Andy my computer to come over earlier to watch other stuff from media. I think he should watch. Oh, okay. And I tapped out of media. I tapped out of this yeah. movie. No, I took my eyes off my computer screen. Then I looked up and I was like, "What?" Yeah, it didn't. And then I like backed it up to see like what I missed, and I was like, like "Oh, they're just nothing. they're just doing this now." They're yelling out the window. Cool. <laughs> For some reason. But speaking, I think we can move on. Speaking yeah. of craziness and going everywhere. We're not going to do another plot synopsis, are we? No. No, okay. no, I don't think so. But speaking of just like, we, we reset it. It's Bo's Afraid. She's very pretty. Is that the type of girl you're attracted to? I am so sorry for what your daddy passed down to you. I wanted a child. I'm visiting my mother tomorrow. Do you ever wish that she was dead? What? Bo? Are you on your way? I'm on my way. I just... It's not safe, is it? I sincerely doubt that. I'm sure you'll do the right thing, sweetheart. Okay, so where do you want to start with this? Uh, just re- we've done the plot synopsis. Uh, it's just you. It's it's your opinion. Okay. Um, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, the buildup has all been what Tom thinks. We we want to know what Tom thinks. What does Tom think? Um, I want to start this review by. <laughs> I want to start this review by saying something, and that is. Do you love me? That's okay. I do. Cool. I do. But this movie must have been really hard to make because it has no story, it has no characters, it has no flow or like coherent like order in which anything is taking place. I mean, you could conceive it. Good though, huh? But you can move. Um, <laughs> no, it's kind of like weirdly dumbly good. I don't think so. No. I think part of the problem is you can move each. And I think this may have actually happened, although I have no evidence of it other than the fact that, like, I just think maybe. You could move a bunch of these sequences in order, like, after the first one, like, the, between the first one and the last one. You could just move them around. They and, the same movie. And they work yeah. the same yeah. way. Um, and I'm talking about, like, the Nathan, La- just the, I mean, that just cut that whole shit out. Because that's not interesting <laughs> We, t- we talked about this. Yeah, cut um, that shit out. It's probably a good movie without it maybe it's a more interesting movie without it yeah. because this movie is not interesting no it's it is i think it's got two really i think it's got two really in, i'm using use the word interesting again and they but it's canceled out by the whole rest of the movie it has two interesting sequences and it's the first like the the opening sequence not just like the baby like the first, being like born 40, like but like minutes. yeah, yeah. you yeah. really feel but the uh, first act, the entire the thing, first like, act, yes. The, until the he leaves, no, you know what it is? Uh, it's until he has that really way too long conversation with his mom, and then you're just like, "Oh, you're this is going to be the like, mom or Bill Hader with uh, his mom." But that Bill Hader conversation is also very long. But Bill Hader is a really good actor, <laughs> and so he kind of and like, yeah, yeah. I think he understands that part. He's like a UPS driver who like just like stumbles upon his like beheaded mother, mm-hmm. uh, or so we think. Um, they, that's really good, and then but that conversation that he has um, 
with his mom like before that where he like misses the thing i was i kind of like i thought that scene was like over then because it just went too long and they weren't delivering any lines and like Joaquin Phoenix isn't doing anything. He's just like sitting there. And it went from being like this really tense thing to being just like, I don't know, six or seven minutes of mostly silence. There's and no, him the, not acting. We talked about this, uh, like we're going to talk about this later. We talk about the best moments in media. There's no hooks in this movie. No fucking hooks, man. None. But like he wants hooks. He, he never does it. Well, so I, that's, but that's part of, I think, the problem. I think that's a really good way to say it because I think he thinks that that. Da- the daughter of Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan drinking paint is a, is a hook, hook, and, and it's, it's fucking not. not. Nobody, hated that part nobody so gives much. a shit. I don't care. No, I. I AP, you're, you're we're coming. Yeah, you're next. Um, I think the, but I think so. I think that first, you know, that really powerfully, viscerally paranoid, anxious feeling is there in like the first twenty minutes or so, and then I think there's a really interesting. I don't even know how I would describe it. So wait, when does it lose you? It loses me like when he leaves and he goes to the Amy Ryan thing. And then he kind of yeah. gets it back as so soon as the... It, it, you're still tuned in when like he's going to get the bottle of water. In your- that, I, 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 yeah. Except, I like that. So I think that was actually pretty good. I thought that was good. pretty good, except for the fact that it did a thing... It lost me there. It did. The, so it's one of the reasons that, that I was kind of already out and then that I thought started good. But then it did the same thing that it's, that the whole movie does, which just sits there. Yeah. And you yeah. watch stuff that's not very interesting happening. I think you know, and I. Well, talk, that's and that's why like. This the is movie has like one amazing twenty minute sequence in the middle, and that's like the the play it. when yeah. the play as soon as the play starts, I was like, why can't the whole movie be like this? And then because the Ari Aster's not play the ends. Director. And then the whole rest of the movie is garbage and it's in the dark and it's meaningless and who gives a shit? And like if one more person tries to tell me that Parker Posey was amazing in this or that that scene was amazing or dark or like darkly humorous, I'm just going to throw up. I will say this about Bo's Afraid. So uh, my friend Andrew came over to do trivia, like redo trivia. And he came over while I was rewatching the scene where uh, the father is revealed. I was like, who do you think the father is? And he's like, I don't know, probably a big monster of some sort. And I was like, what kind of monster? He's like, I don't know, just a monster. And it was a penis monster. And he just went like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. He just, he just went like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Like, because this movie doesn't know how to level up. It doesn't know how to drop. So I would argue. Right? It doesn't know how to like, like, like. But it actually reveal something. I don't think it knows how to do anything because I don't think it knows what it's doing. So I think this is one of those. Mo- so this is a couple, but it's for a totally different reason. I have no. There's no reason for this movie. He Ari Aster gives us no reason for this movie to exist. Not a narrative one. Not an emotional one. There's a vaguely cinematic reason, but you could have just made a but, twenty minute short yeah, film of the, the play. And literally, the entire been, reason this movie exists is. Defined by those two side directors from Chile or whatever, they create a reason. Sure, but then, then, yeah, but I guess Ari Aster gives them like the vehicle to like do that. But even when it ends, everything has been done better in other places and much more recently. Like I'm going to this Babylon well a lot because these are just three hour movies that are like overly self indulgent. Um, But like in Damien Chazelle gets in the same thing where he thinks that something is going to be like really 
provocative or titillating or whatever, um, or horrifying or like just 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 dark to say a stupid thing, and it's just not. And then this movie kind of apes some of that movie's moves, even though they couldn't have known that that was the case. Well, no, that they were sure. both going to end in caves, and they were both going to watch the cave go overhead. And but I also think like Damien Chazelle in Babylon's like this is titillizing to me. Sure, and, and this some of movie that- is like meant to be titillizing for somebody who's not. And that Bo movie, for all Aster, of its many faults, Ar- is is clear. This movie ends with a ten minute Richard Kind deposition in a fucking cave and then he explodes or the boat explodes and then he drowns yeah who fucking cares we talked about this but i'm not sure i'm but i can't and i can't i'm not going to read him talk about it because he's just going to tell us what he's going to andy machete this and be like oh i meant for the last half hour of the flash to look like total shit Andy machete like knows what he is Ari Aster doesn't. I think but they're both like, going to say the same thing. Ari yeah. Aster's going to be like, I wanted this to be confusing and non-linear and all this other stuff. Except for the fact that it's wholly linear and the fact that you can't be confused because there's nothing to be confused so about. Where we talked, so where you talked about this, and we'll get to JP after this, but like, you remember when like we reviewed this movie and I said like, Eggers, no, like Eggers is trying something. Yeah. Like this movie is not trying anything, no, right? No, nothing. And that's what bugs me about it. It's like it's not being out there. It's just being very It's safe. not out there at all. It's, it's just being safe. It's not a horror. It's not really, it's not funny. It's safe. It, but it's weird because. It has, like, it, it, has a, it has a fucking great middle scene. Like that. Yeah. That entire animation scene. Like I watched it last night very high. And like that scene like broke me. But like that's something that exists by itself. Um, yeah, but it also, I think, it has its representative of the film as a whole in the sense that it references some things that Ari Aster clearly cares a lot about and that we haven't been given evidence in the film that, like, Ben cares about that stuff. It's like, so you will have sex and, like, have a family. Or this angel says, like, you will have sex and, you know, with this woman. You will have sex and have a family, yeah. And, but... And then... You will the, have sons because you had sex. Right. And then, says, the, yeah. and then the Parker Posey scene... But they never talk about that in the I'm movie. Right? Am I wrong like, that they don't like, talk about I, I him think, fucking like, like, in the, or, like or not fucking or doing hard, anything? This is a deep take. Like I don't think Joaquin Phoenix was ready for the role. I just don't think he's very. I don't think he knew don't think what the role. I don't think he knew what like, the role what, was. Yeah. So that's the thing. I think Joaquin Phoenix can pretty much do just about anything. But I think this is there's an Irishman problem here too, where I think Ari Aster was just like, I'm going to turn the camera on and let. Joaquin Phoenix do stuff yeah. and then he used some of those eight minute takes it was just like this is the take just like Al Pacino and Robert De Niro just kind of looking at each other being old in a room <laughs> and he's just like oh this is great this is good TV this is, this is gonna be or, or Stephen Graham just being like oh uh, you did this and he'd be like I didn't do that I mean, you Graham did this old. and he'd be like I, I didn't do that Stephen you did Graham this. being old in a room is, is pretty good no but it's the fact that they had that round table conversation about nothing yeah, yeah. for 20 minutes and then it ends in a fight and everyone's just like great cinema the best acting and you're just like no it's not Joaquin Phoenix being freaked out for like three hours for no reason is not good acting it's not good anything well, no, especially, it especially comes out uh, when, like Nathan Lane shows up, where he's just fucking garbage. Nathan Lane I told is you. terrible. I told you. <laughs> I tell everybody, and everyone's just like, "Oh, he's good. <laughs> he's good, and he's not good." Amy Ryan is good. Yeah, but when she looks up from her daughter and she's like, 
What did you do? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? What did he do? Like, what do you mean? Funneled paint down her throat? Yeah. He just, <laughs> JP, what did he mean? What did you do? What? That's this is well, it. It's, it's a turn. I'm trying to say this like, is what he oh, this, this is this is where you, this is where yeah. you turn your opinion okay. of this movie because I was, I felt like I needed to see this in the theater because it's a talented director being given the abil- ability yeah. to do what he wanted with as much theater? time or? at the Criterion. There we Fourteen dollars I paid. We paid. We paid ten <laughs> each. So, yeah. At the end, I was just like, three people, hours. Yeah. How many people were? And like, you just blow them up at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that for that. You're yeah. bad. You're JP, how many people are like in your theater? There were four other people, all of whom was clearly just skipping from theater to theater, and they all like came and went. So that's interesting. The thing that's interesting about this movie is like Re had a full theater of psychopaths who yeah. were like losing their mind over this fucking movie. About what parts? Everything. Everything. I mean, I definitely laughed a few times. And, yeah. But you know, when you have to piss with like two hours in, and you don't want to get up because you might miss something crucial. Mm-hmm. There was nothing crucial to miss. Spoiler: anyway. You did not miss anything. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed Parker Posey's death. Didn't necessarily take me surprise. By surprise, but it was amusing. Well, I just think <laughs> they pitched it as they pitched it as that it was like a significant thing, and that it was something that like you were gonna remember, and that was did they? Re- yeah, like when they talk about if you you listen to the ringer when they talk you listen to the ringer too. He's not like, looking at me. He's a person who never. Well, you listens. established before that you don't listen to the yeah. ringer. They said that, like, oh, Parker Posey, she's, like, really doing something here. And you're like, you're not going to want to miss the Parker Posey scene. And then when I when finally got... When she fucking got, just, like, dies. Right, when I finally it, got it, there, it I was like, up. she doesn't even... Like, it's, you know, I, I like Parker Posey a lot. But let's not kid ourselves and think that she, like, was going for a supporting actress, like, nomination here. She just showed up, was nice to him, looked kind of sad, and then right. fucked him until she died. <laughs> like, that's literally all she did. The girl who played the character of the kid, the, the girl who played the kid version of that character was better Way than better. Parker yeah. And yeah. that part of the movie was better than the Parker Well, Posey and that's, yeah. that's right. the thing that sucks about this movie, too, is like anything, be, like Joaquin Phoenix doesn't work, right? Like so, he's, I, mean, I don't know. I, can I borrow this for a second? So I'm not even going to go so far as to say that he doesn't work. I just think he's, it's just not right. I don't know if yeah. he doesn't work or something that he's doing is is wrong, but I think he's just responding to the to the script and the and the whatever Ari Aster asked him to do, he did it, and it's just not. It doesn't. Well, it's just not right. It so doesn't a, mean like, anything. This is the thing I like. I want to get like a group consensus on. Like, what is Ari Aster asking in this movie? Because like the viewer of, of the movie. viewer. Okay. Like, what the fuck is he doing? We talked about this. Like, we talked about this. Like, Andy and I watched that three-hour movie in the theater and we don't know what the fuck Ori Aster wants. Yeah, what does it all mean? What, what <laughs> is the point of having you watch all that to have him just at this tribunal, <laughs> you know, and then blowing him up? Like, there's, I, There wasn't anything. Can, you, can we find anything? Like, I just feel like I'm I think watching the only, a sad... The main thing I find is like 
sometimes these guys shouldn't be given complete control over their pro their projects. <laughs> they, they might need somebody to rein it in, rein yeah. it in, give about. them some like, advice. You shouldn't have done this. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's, he's teaching the studio a lesson. What makes you excited? Because I think like I think uh, Joaquin Phoenix is tied now into um, Ari Aster, yeah. but he has ownership now over Ari Aster. And I think that next movie is going to be solid because I think. Joaquin Phoenix is like the uh, father. Of I Ari think Aster. so. I was actually thinking not about that exact thing, but something very similar to that. In that, I get the impression that Ari Aster, if he had his druthers, would be forming a kind of uh, Wes Anderson like stable of people. I would not be surprised if Alex Wolf shows up in the next one and Tony Collette shows up in the next one and like. Somebody from Midsommar shows up in the next one. It's probably not going to be Florence Pugh or Will oh, Poulter, but it'll be yeah. somebody. Um, and then it'll be smaller. Yeah, the guy from uh, Good Place. Yeah. Um, you, uh, William, uh, William, William Jackson. Jackson no, I actually think he's also... He's also yeah, probably yeah, outgrown yeah. this stuff, but I think if you look at the three movies, and we can... I mean, this might be the thing to toss around because it's the exact question you asked. What is he trying to actually do in any of those movies? Nothing. He's, he doesn't have anything to and say. And the only thing that Midsommar... That's interesting about it. He's got, he has nothing to say. Right. Yes. I, and I think after seeing this movie, even in really liking Midsommar, I don't think it had anything to say either. I think he just lucked in... I think he's a pretty... He's a... Solid visual director. Yes. Thank yeah, you. Very much. And he lucked into a great cast and a good idea... And he couldn't sell. He couldn't sell the beginning because he was just like, "Oh, the reason that I'm going to this Midsummer thing is because my sister, like, did this to my family." It's like she Which could have didn't have. No one had to do anything. No. You could have just been like, "Oh, I just, I just need to go do it." Like you know, whatever. It didn't need all that stuff. Hereditary's about nothing. Yeah. And this movie is about nothing either. It's just it's, he has nothing to say. Right, and it's really it's weird. It's a bummer, kind of. See, it like, is. He has a good visual eye. And we talked about this. Like, he's the director, I think, is the worst director in Hollywood right now. Because, like, he's just a dude who's just, like, boringly producing the same shit. Because he has nothing to say. Well, he's the worst director, I think, that is being talked about like he's, a, like, a potential great yeah, director. Yeah, there's a lot of worst directors. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know. But, like, in, that, in the people that are being placed in this kind of, like, pantheon of, like... Sure. New auteurs. He is first. He is undeservedly on this on that list. Yeah, and he what? has never made a whiplash. He's never yeah, he's made. Not, a, J, J, JP, what's your final thoughts on? on well, he, he's um, he's ruining any goodwill that he's you know built up. I th I feel like with this, I'm, yeah. I'm, well, especially because A twenty four now has like better things to do. Like these Ty West well, movies no, are A twenty four paid money. Like they want. Him to just do whatever, but they're not going to do this forever. I mean, they won. They just won all the Oscars, and even their shit movies. Even so, what I was not. Ty West is not making shit, but like they're not paying a lot for these Ty West movies, and they're making money. And even like they moved on from Florence Pugh to Jenna Ortega. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think the culture kind of has as well, except for like, well, the movie culture has whatever. I don't know, because um, Florence Pugh did a Zach Braff movie. She's. She's just trying to salvage what's left of her career now that she did a Zach Braff movie. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they need, they're going to need him to make, like, they 
hemorrhaged money on this thing. Yeah. Like they lost yeah. like a lot of money. Yeah. They, they can't, they're not going to do that again. $35 million budget made 11. So, yeah. well, it's a $35 million budget, like production budget. They spent budget. $60 million on this movie. With, they with lost 50. Yeah. Right. Um, they're still an independent company and they still can't but, lose a bunch so, of so $50 this, million dollars this, a this bunch of times. This is my interesting thing. Do they own Ari Aster now? Yeah. Yeah. They have to, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's making the next his next movie for eight. And like, someone's working for Ari, someone. Just, in that, just, Alex they, Wolf like, is working for scale. Like, basically. Like, they just tell him what to make, and he's going to make it. Yeah, I think that's kind of where it's going to be. And if he's not, he's doing a Blumhouse or something. Like, because he's got to get rid of... He's No, not Blumhouse, even, has, he's not doing a Blumhouse, because Blumhouse makes money. But Jason <laughs> Blum would give him a million dollars. No, Jason, no, Blum, no. Jason Blum's past. He, no, he wouldn't no, Jason give... Jason Blum absolutely would not He wouldn't Ari give Aster Ari Aster a million dollars. He'd give him a million dollar budget and be like, feel free. Jason Because Blum, he'll make six Blum million... Would only, that will make Blum would only do that dollars. to make money. Oh, it's Blum a, would only do that to like win. But a Blumhouse... Uh, you know who would do that also to win? I bet Ethan Hawke would be in that movie. Is uh, Fuck. I don't have it up. You just, you just messed I was, up. I was trying to do it. I'm not editing this. Glenn Howerton. Oh, comment. Jesus Christ. Woody? Is uh, this a Penguins reference or... You know who would also do this is uh, uh, Jim Jim Basilia. Jim Basile. Oh, Jim yeah. Balsley. Jim Balsley. We yeah. did good. We all did great with that one. Do you not like this? Oh, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> do you want me to go first? Yeah, I do. Okay, because like literally we have the same opinion. What are we talking about? Blackberry. Blackberry. Oh, I thought we were all gonna do it at the oh. same time. Blackberry. Get this baby in the hands of every Fortune 500 executive you could find. We call them crackberries. Come with us, sir. No. You want to be great? You need to sacrifice. And the more painful the sacrifice, the greater you'll be. If we put more phones on these networks, they're going to crash. Is this legal? You need to sell a million blackberries. Uh. Oh. Do you know what the sentence is for multi-million dollar stock fraud? What are you doing? I'm doing it all. You guys have no idea how to run a company. What's happening, man? I created this entire market. You said they were the best engineers in the world. I said they're the best engineers in Canada. What are they paying you? I shouldn't say. They're paying me $10 million. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, the last film we're going to talk, to talk about is Blackberry, the new film from Matt Johnson, who is a, a director I've never seen anything else from. Like he He's has, only got two other movies. He has like two the, or three. The Dirties and Op- Operation Avalanche. He also has like the Nirvana is a band or whatever. Oh, that's a TV show, though. Oh, okay. Uh, but this movie is about the founding and pitch of BlackBerry uh, from 1996. Has the research in motion. Mike uh, Lazaridis. Lazaridis. Lazaridis uh, founded it um, all the way through to uh, the founding with uh, Jim Basile. Basile. Basile, who likes hockey too much. Uh <laughs> as soon as he delivered that line, like, we're going to put the Hamilton Penguins here. And I was like, 
What? <laughs> Go fuck yourself, dude. Uh, but basically, the, the entire movie is about the founding of BlackBerry. Uh, these these two guys, Mike and Doug, trying to find Pocket Link as a BlackBerry, or like the progenitor of BlackBerry. Yeah. And then Jim comes in, and that is what happens. That's I, it? I say this because I'm very curious about your opinion. Are you scared of ghosts? <laughs> no, they're just it's like a, like hard revving engines on the other side of the wall. Um, from the What's tower. your opinion of this movie? Um, it's fine. I have no opinion of this movie. It's a very silly movie. Um, it's there's no stakes here at all because who cares? Um, everything that they're like Glenn Howerton is yelling about is totally meaningless. Um, everybody knows it, but these two idiots um, and the idiots that they work for. Um, That's your opinion. That's it. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say about this movie. I mean, it's, it's, it's tone is like all, it's tone is kind of all over the place. Oh, yeah, I agree. I watched the, I watched the whole thing, not wrapped, but I was like, I was interested in like finding out, like again, because my dad had a BlackBerry, like you know, from its inception, like he, or maybe not from its inception, but as soon as like you could get Blackberries, like he had one and it was right here and he was on it all the time, like sending emails and stuff. Like, Did you have a BlackBerry? Nope. You didn't have one ever. Um. And so I was just kind of interested in like how they got from point A to point B, and like I thought the most interesting part of this movie was all the like the inside baseball stuff, quote unquote, about like the fact that there was a period where they couldn't sell more blackberries because like the network would like crash, and then you know some of the stuff about about how um, blackberries like functioned in the world, and again this is so I watched. Did you ever watch that show Silicon Valley mm-hmm. on HBO? Uh, I never did. Yeah, I like. I watched, we watched, I couldn't watch the sixth season of it because I just wanted Richard, whatever his name is, the guy that Thomas Middleditch played to like just die in a <laughs> horrifying, like fiery crash. You know, that Ehrlich Bachman just like and comes in from nowhere and like pisses on his grave, though I know that TJ Miller is a fucking asshole. Yeah. Like, um, that show was so infuriating, but it was cool to listen to people talk about like how tech is developed. Because you don't, unless you're a tech guy, you never think about that stuff. It just happens. Like, you just take out your phone and, like, there's a phone. So that stuff was really interesting. The people that made BlackBerry aren't interesting. The story of how BlackBerry came into existence is not very interesting. The story of how BlackBerry kind of, like, went under doesn't really seem very interesting to me because they're just a bunch of people that, according to this movie, they were like, Apple was like, here's an iPhone. And they were like, that's stupid. And then Saul Rubinick was just like, no, your thing is stupid. And then and then Jay Baruchel, who shouldn't be in this movie, as Mike Lazaridis says, no, it's trackpads are great. And they're just like, fine, whatever. And then the market just ate it because that's what happens when your product stinks. So like it wasn't like there wasn't all any questions. Like the most fascinating like one of the fascinating things at the end of this movie was that Doug Freegan, who was played by Matt Mike John- Johnson, Mike Johnson, Johnson, you know, he got out like Right in before the thing collapsed yeah. and like sold all his stock, and now he's super fucking rich. That guy rules. Like the real that guy rules. The guy that Matt Johnson plays sucks ass, <laughs> and he also doesn't seem like he would be smart enough to make that decision because all he fucking cares about is movie night. Yeah. So this, I mean, so even though I thought this movie was like a pretty good like cable movie, like very watchable, you know, in some ways. Um, there's too much close-up, and their needle drops are just hilarious. When they did, they needle dropped Slint. They needle dropped um, Joy Division. They just, yeah, but the needle drop of the Good Morning Captain was just kind of like, guys, 
guys, what do you what do you, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? Um, but not like a bad way, just in a kind of like, oh, that was I'm a very good, excited. like a like a tussled hair, good effort type thing. Like you tried, that yeah. was stupid, but you tried it. So Andy, what did you think of this movie? Uh, it's the best movie of the year. It's my yeah, favorite movie yeah, of the year. It's, the it's not. It's not <laughs> yeah. that close. Why? <laughs> yeah, because it's. Glenn Howerton so, is everything. It's he's, he's amazing. <laughs> everything also, what? Every, it's so Mike, like Mike Johnson, our Matt, Matt Johnson, Johnson knows what he's fucking do. like. His needle he's drops. Really, you guys need are to watch so the smart. It's on Amazon. I don't think like, he knows what he's doing at yes, all. He absolutely does. Yes, he does. This movie's so deliberate. Like I was deliberately watching this, I was watching this mediocre. With, no, I was watching this with uh, Andy last night. Very high as shit, and like laughing my ass off. And I was like, oh, this guy's doing this, and he's gonna do this. Is gonna come. And this movie's a very deliberate... So I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to stop you, and I'm going to ask you guys the same question we asked about Bo is Afraid. It's deliberate. Then what's the point? Like, what's the uh, tone? The point, what is he after The here? point is to make fun of... Oh, see, I don't think so at all. No, absolutely, it's to make fun of, like, the kind of Moneyball-style movies. It's to make fun of... It so is saying it's, it's like a new parody? It's, yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It's one hundred percent. It's meant. Are, it's meant to make fun of. Joke. It's meant to so make, like, make yeah. fun of like those biopics. This movie's a perfect example of like a biopic parody. But it takes itself way too seriously. To no, it doesn't. no, it doesn't. Oh, fuck <laughs> it no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It does to an extent. It is not taking itself seriously. It is making a joke of everything. You do not cast Glenn Howerton, the guy from It's <laughs> Always, Always Sunny. <laughs> Has like the bald weirdo, but it's not. And then make him the super. Ser- no, this. But movie, it's not funny. Like there's, I didn't laugh once in this movie. I couldn't. I was. Stop I, laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> but why? Because it's everything he says. All the dialogue is fantastic. It's just so. Because of the fact that like it's 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 oh. so aggressively over par. It's so oh, aggressively yeah. trying. It's so aggressively like just. Being a biopic, but like it isn't. Does that make sense? Um, I I understand I understand what you're saying, and I actually kind of I I thought you would say something like this when like it seemed like you were gonna like this movie. Well, yeah, um, it's my movie of the year. So I is it really? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Um, I disagree with you guys. Like I don't like I think they might try to sell you on that, but they try to add pathos into no. this movie like no, at don't. all times. No, every time they try to add pathos, they add. Michael Ironside has the three under. <laughs> they make a joke about how Michael Irons. So, the thing that sold me on this movie was when they like said like, "Oh, there's Michael Ironside like adding in like this new level," and like a three hundred pound guy. After they've talked about the eighties movies, Michael Ironside is now a fat guy, and he's an eighties guy. Like I uh-huh. laughed my fucking ass off because they're they're it's making a joke about everything. Yeah, I guess if I mean I disagree with you, but I mean I guess it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, Could you have misread it massively? I suppose. I was very excited I don't about think this because I knew this was gonna happen. I don't think it makes it a better movie though. Like, I think it, I think everything you're describing is like a cop out for a movie that like they. It's not a cop out. A movie about a, a movie made by Canadians about Canadians. Like I mean, aggressive. Every time Jay Burchell aggressively says "sorry," yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so, so aggressively Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, yeah. It's but making, he is aggressively it's, Canadian it's, it's and a, a terrible a actor. Well, no, that's that's the thing. Like 
his shitty um, uh, wig, basically, is, is a joke. Well, everything I mean, about this movie is a joke. If you don't know Mike Lazarus, his hair is silly like that. Oh, it's like it was white, like bright white, and looked like a wig his whole career. But, but this movie's aggressively being something, and that's what I liked about this. Like it's it knows what it is. Like, cause so when this movie begins, right? Like you watch it, and they have the um, William Shatner being. Uh, Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. like overacting, overexerting, and the movie itself is overexerting constantly. Well, yeah, and that's why I love a, like that's what is amazing about it is the fact that like this movie goes hard. So, uh, but I would ar- so I guess my argument in defense of myself is that like you don't know um, no, I mean I don't. I'm not like gonna worry about it. I'm not gonna lose no, sleep I, over that. Um, come to blows about this. It's fine. Ma, I don't think it's, that's the thing. So I guess it's one of those things where like the meta context of the movie is like the thing that's funny. I don't think anything that's happening in the movie is funny at all. No, absolutely. It seems, it's, it's, a, it's a YouTube movie. But that's the thing. It it's seems, a YouTube, it's YouTube premiere. It seems it's poorly like, made. It seems poorly executed. It seems poorly. Fuck you. It's, it's not, not poorly made. made. No, but it, but that's the thing. It's, it's poorly what made. What about it's poorly made? It, the, 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 re- the reliance on close-ups, like the, the, the wigs and the clothing and like the characterizations, that's not deliberate. I didn't think it was deliberate at all because it doesn't come off as like it doesn't come off as jokey. You know the, what I mean? It comes off as like taking itself it. very seriously. Just Glenn Hardin with his head. How about this? No, 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 no. Thing. How about like, is like serious? Like what about all that? Like obviously you got like a really shitty wig. So off. here's the really thing. Shitty, you know what's serious? Like you Glenn Hardin fucking. Faux, whatever. Sure. You got a really, just, you got a really shitty wig on Jay Burchell. So, like, what about it serious? You know what I think is serious is the fact that, like, in the moments where you would think that um, Jay Bar- Mike Lazaridis Mike, yeah, yeah. would be sad, Jay Barishall is sad. He's trying to be sad. In the moments where you think that they should be, like, happy, they are actively trying to be happy. Like, they're doing stuff, you know what I mean? And it's not like... And they're not making fun of them in those moments no, either. They're like they're trying to establish. Um, well, the entire they're trying machine, to establish character. The entire machine in this movie is Glenn Harkin. Like mm-hmm. he is, he is in. He is your emotional control. This but he has, but which is, but easily, I'll say this: the best act, like the best supporting actor I've seen this year. But he's not because his, yes, he is. <laughs> but his fuck off. But why? Like, is this just like an "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" thing? No, where, like, no the I, 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 I like, fucking hate "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." I don't give a shit about that show. Oh, I don't get this at all. Like, because he is, like, again. So, like, we're just assuming- no. Like, a rewatch. So, rewatch this last night. I was drunk, and then I got high, and I just like lost my mind over it, and I did not expect to lose my mind over it because it's just like it's pitch perfect how there's a. Del- it's very deliberate. This movie is so fucking deliberate, which I love about it. Deliberate at the way it's like emotions work. Like, well, what does that? What does that? Deliberate, deliberate about how its emotions work? How uh, about the fact that the like film's emotions or the characters' emotions? The characters' emotions. Like you get like Glenn Harrington's um, James Basil. Basili? Basili. Basili. We get like that moment where he says like, don't lie to me. Like, we're not going to lie. And then like, 
he just says like, yeah, I didn't get fired. I got fired. Blah blah blah. Uh, I mortgaged my house. Uh huh. And that works for me. It also works for me so much. Like that scene is is piggyback off of the scene where like um, Mike Lazarus calls him about like the first offer, and he just says yeah. But he's watching hockey. Yeah. Like in the most aggressive, <laughs> like unfortunate, angry way. way. Yeah. <laughs> But that works as that works as like characterization, like emotion building. Yeah, exactly. But like, like what I would argue is that like the movie betrays those emotions like time and time when, again. When so, is, but that doesn't is, strike me is, as a parody. When is his character's like? When is that character betrayed in that movie? Betrayed, or when does he betray? When does the when movie he, betray but, his when, character? Yeah, exactly. When does he betray his character? Or like, when is that character betrayed in the movie? Oh, I just think the. I mean, I think like the, the whole thing is is. I think he's. I think his character is largely consistent. I think the movie abandons him at various points and then like oh, picks him when, back when? when he disappears. Like, and he's just and it says like they want us to know. And every that time that happens, though, like their entire thing fucks up. But they want him to know he's deeply invested in hockey. And they're not fucking... That's the thing. The company's not fucking up because of the marketing. The company's fucking up because of the tech. Like, at the end there. Yeah. But they want us to think that the reason that the company is failing is because he's not paying attention to Apple and he's paying attention to trying to buy this hockey team. When in reality, the person who's driving their failure, their tech failure, is Mike by... dis Like, so there's, like, the SEC stuff, but there's also this kind of, like, disregard for the fact that their product is, like, wholly obsolete. I would agree, like, the Rich Summer stuff, like, they kind of drop the ball in that, like, with the Rich Summer stuff. Rich Summer? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the the engineer that that they hired from Google. Oh. He's the one that plays, um... From Edmund. Gotcha, gotcha. He's the one that, like, with the... I think think this movie is so aggressively focused on character development that, like, it... Like, I'm a... Big. See, but if it's a parody movie, why would it be focused on character development? And I don't think it actually develops because its, its character. It's a pretty funny, well. goofy fucking story. But I think if it's developing the characters really well, then it doesn't have to be a funny story. Then it could be an actual interesting movie about something that like is kind yeah, of yeah, it was, but could be it interesting. Was, it was for us. We, but you were interested in like the the black, like the stakes were high, or no, it was just stakes, funny. We thought the stakes were awesome, and we also liked how it. I, I'm I mean, it's an, it's, an, it's an accurate. Portrayal of what happened in Blackberry. Like there, there's not a lot of like made up stuff, and that's why it's kind of silly. Because Blackberry also, is just is a punchline now, and that's kind of what this movie was kind of building it up to be. But it still it's exists. Like, Barely. No, there's zero percent Blackberry. I mean, no, they but they're like a, they're like a tech they, firm and stuff. They, yeah, you can they, buy Blackberry products and, and things like that. Yeah, and that's the thing about this movie that is like the, this movie feels. Intensely Canadian, I guess. Yeah, very for much. sure, absolutely. I mean, like, that's I, I really kind of like why that. I didn't like the entire like the fact that um, Jim Be- Jim Bessiel is like so intensely tied to Gary Bettman was so. And that's fucking, all real. He's been trying so to buy a hockey funny. team for. He's trying to buy a hockey team for a really long it was time. Fun. It's funny. I I don't know how you don't find this funny. It's just it's funny. I just love Glenn Howard in this movie. I actually, I like Ted Johnson's character in this movie too. I thought it, I know he was well, it's, silly. It's, but our, it was it's like, our favorite movie. Yeah. So. Cool. I, I, I can see myself watch this movie a lot. I I've watched, already watched it I've, twice. I've, so. I've watched this movie three times already. Cool. <laughs> JP, have you watched this movie? I have not seen it yet. Have we convinced you to watch it? I just Googled, is Blackberry. No, what? Like, 
So you you don't like it because you feel it's lazy. Well, I just don't, I don't what you're right? what you're trying to sell me on the humor. I don't I don't buy. I think they tried to make an earnest movie about like the rise and fall of BlackBerry, and you're telling me that you don't think that they tried to make an I earnest movie about the rise and fall I, of BlackBerry. I don't think so. They, they did, but the rise and fall of BlackBerry is kind of funny. Well, I think I think, but I don't think they I don't are, think they tried to make a funny movie. I think they tried to make a fun movie. Yeah, no, not, it's a fun movie for sure. They, so they tried, so they they fucked around with the story. Is what I think, but I, don't, I mean, I don't the, think the they, stuff they really they, didn't. The stuff, yeah. well, they, the, the story they, is the story is what it is. But I'm trying to say is like, I think the story they created was meant to be first and foremost fun. Secondly, honest. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, so, and I'm not saying that it's not fun, and I'm not saying that it's not like trying to be honest. I just I'm pointing to a scene like the end where Jim comes in like super hot about like you know, that Apple's going to monetize data and that that's how they're going to do it. And he kind of like sees what they're going to do and he wants to tell, he wants to tell Mike about it. And then Mike lay, you know, Mike makes the call. They're waiting for you next door. This is what has to happen. And then, you know, there's Jim has like a couple, a couple of beats there to take that in and react to it and then make a decision. And none of that, to me, screams parody. That, to me, screams like no, a, like a emotional weight. That it does. Would be, that would kind of, that would argue against the more parodic elements of this movie. So it's either like parodic and it's not parodic or it's all parodic or it's all not parodic. So I'm choosing to say it's all not parodic. It means well. It's well-intentioned, just that it's, its execution was... Maybe in service of, you know, having Glenn Howerton eat stuff or having, you know, every oh, the character the, the characterizations ended up being too broad for me to find any kind of real like um, depth to it. And yeah, it ended I, I up just, being like a pretty standard issue, like modern biopic about a, a tech firm and its and its creators I, and its rise and, and its I, fall. And I find this movie to be like a really solid indictment of like the Michael K. Or the Adam K. bullshit. Like I think that's what Matt Johnson was doing. He was like making. He was making fun of movies. I can see a world where I can actually. I would support an argument where he is doing. He's subtly doing that thing while more doing the other thing. Because I also pointed out to my wife when we were watching it that there's way too many shots of of. Jim um, Balsili, like, getting onto planes. Like, you know what I mean? There's way yeah. too many. There's, um, well, those Carrie I, I Elway's. Would say the same, I would say the same thing about, like, there's too many shots of, like, where, um, like, Carrie Elway's sitting somewhere and, like, the camera I was just gonna say that. zooms in slightly on Yep. Him. There's also. But, and that's, I think that's a joke. And to the, right, and to the parody point, um, I thought, so, I thought that was a move, not it's a also joke. Meant, I also I thought it was like, meant to be a joke when, like, they say, like, is this guy fucking kidding? Like when um, he talks about Cariola's character about like, is this guy a, a person? Right. Yeah. I also think there's a, it's like a joke that they're always trying to hang this game night sign. Like there are jokes in here that I didn't find particularly amusing because I didn't find the movie all that like emotionally, inve- I wasn't emotionally invested in the film yeah. at all. Um, so I, that's why I think it's, it's like a good effort 
people need to stop putting Jay Baruchel in anything, funny no, that's or not. True. That's right. He's 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 a great actor. I like Jay Baruchel. He's a great actor. <laughs> Goon. I'm say this. I'm say How this. to Train he's Your a, Dragon? He's, Come he's on. A, he's a fucking really good actor. Okay. Goon. Um, Goon. I love Goon. Yeah. He's he's fine in Goon. Come on. He's Canadian in Goon. Yeah. No. It's awesome. We're, we're doing our. We're overtaking the podcast. <laughs> oh, we're I've, beating down Tom. I I feel not beaten down. <laughs> I feel whatever the opposite of not beaten down is. Um, no, 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 I think he's. I think I think Jay Burchell, He knows what he's doing, right? And I think I think that's what this movie is. This movie knows what it's doing. If it's doing is the right thing, who knows? Like Jay Baruchel is probably not the best actor, but he's trying to do something. Like I think he has Goon. He has Goon Two. This is the end. He's good in. I like. This is Goon Three. We're gonna talk about. This is the end. But like this movie, I think is intentional. If you want to make a, if you want to make your case here, let's leave out the this fact. Is the end. I think I like this movie this is this movie is very intentional. Like yeah. we disagree with that. But I would argue that if it's very intentional, then it made some weird decisions. What what decisions? We just talked about it. Yeah, what? no, but like I don't think you have. If the movie is very intentional. Then it doesn't. I don't think it one hundred percent grasps grasps what its intention is. That's is weird, it intention like, to make fun of it, or is it intention to make an earnest? Is 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 its intention to make fun of these people and this world and these yeah, types of yeah. movies, what's, what's or is weird, its intention like, to make a a earnest emotional movie about characters? Well, and I take it as like they're making fun of it, and like that's what's weird about me is like you don't see that. It's interesting because like I see this as like making fun of. But and but in that scene I just described, how is that scene making fun of either of those guys? Uh, because it's being very like bombastic. And but it's being, not. It's being. It is. How is it being bombastic when he's like, "Oh, I just called them. They have to go in the other thing." And Glenn Howerton is just like, "Huh." Hmm. Oh, the scene where like he the hundred twenty five thousand dollars scene or which one? I'm talking about the last the scene of the movie, like with, the last the, scene of the, the movie. SEC. You're yeah, right before he like right before they cut to like Jay well, Baruchel no, I, punching I, holes. I guess and... I guess I guess that scene is kind of like where you want to get like an emotional attack in the movie. Like I would agree. Like that's. But I would. But what I'm saying is that there's a bunch of those. There's a bunch of those that are appropriately placed, and the emotions don't always land for me. But they are, they are real, like honest there. emotional, uh, emotional points. So what I'm saying is that I, I'm not going to find a movie successful that wants it to be, that wants to make fun of a genre. And again, I'm not like, like defending the genre, like fuck the genre, because most of these movies aren't very good. Um, Adam take McKay that, doesn't make good take movies. Take that, Florence Pugh. <laughs> In what, which movie? I don't know. I just want to say yeah. take that, Florence um, Pugh. I mean, Adam so, McKay has made... She listens to the podcast. Adam McKay has made one that, like, decent movie like this, and all of his other movies like this are shit. Um... It's either making fun of those types of movies or it's doing or it's trying to be like, like that's the thing. I don't know if, if they want us to find Mike Lazaridis ridiculous. Why is Jay Baruchel playing him so heavy? I don't, like, think, why you wanna, is there I don't a, think you want to find Mac, Mike, like, like Mike Lazaridis ridiculous. You just want to find him as like weak. Yeah, and so like you're, you're trying to find... Yeah, I don't know. But he doesn't play him as really a, he balance. plays him as a sad as no. eventually the movie the movie gets to the point where they want him to feel they want us to feel like he's a sad guy because he just doesn't he just doesn't get it. He doesn't want to let go of this thing. He's trying to hold on to this thing. 
for as much as for as long as humanly possible. And if there's comedic beats in him, like emptying a drawer full of like blackberries onto his desk, like you know each in like the series or whatever, and like trying to figure it out, that is both comical and seems appropriate for like that for the character they've established for him that he would just go to, to figure out the blackberry. He would go to old blackberries to build a new blackberry. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. It's like ridiculous, but also appropriately ridiculous. And what someone that's kind of in like a, an anxious state that doesn't really know how to go forward would do. So that's why I'm saying it's try. And again, I'm not like angry at the movie. I would give it like a B minus or something. If I was in entertainment weekly and giving it a grade, I just think it's trying oh, because it's Richard Brady of you because it's fun. When it works, but I just think it's trying to have. I don't think it a hundred percent, and this is where we disagree. I don't think it's a hundred. I don't think it's a hundred percent landed on. I think uh, it's, um, it's emotions and its tone and its. Um, and I agree. And, and, it's, I think, and its characterization. I, I think it, I think it's intentional. I do think everything it's doing is intentional. I think it's meant to do that. If it lands, it's meant to be both a parody and an earnest movie. Is what yeah. you're saying. Okay, I and what I'm saying is that that's, that, how, that's how I watched. It. Fine, and what I'm saying is that 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 like duality doesn't work for me. Okay, now we're going to talk about top five films of the year. You guys are going to talk about your top four films of the year because we already know what your top five <laughs> film is. But it would be funny if we had gotten to the Goodfellas RoboCop of this episode, and you're just like, we're relitigating with you. <laughs> Have you had time to th- reconsider your ideas, Tom? <laughs> All right, so we're going to do top five um, movies of the year. So far, we're, we're pretty much halfway done with yeah. the year. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I've been like trying to do a little catch-up um, recently, which has been yielded some positive um, positive results, although I still think, I don't know how, I mean, we, maybe we can do this when we, as we talk about the movies, or maybe to introduce this thing. I don't know how you feel about the movie year so far. Um, I find it's it... It's been good ish we i find this to be a really weird one yeah it's an odd year for movies i would say there is it's like usual there's so much sequels remakes um prequels i mean my number two movie i like i'm very solidly like four and like four like pro i'm very solidly like oh oh it's a movie and like i feel there's a background Mm -hmm. yeah i just don't i don't feel like there's a whole bunch of there has been a whole bunch. Of, I mean, there's been stuff that I like, but even some of the stuff that I think I should like, I've been just kind of like foreign stuff. I've just been kind of like very lukewarm on. But I think it's because some of the writing on this has been a little misleading because the film, the American film slate has been pretty lackluster. It, it's, this year's pretty backloaded, too. There's like a lot, yeah, a lot of heavy hitters coming. A lot of Oppenheimer. I honestly can't fucking wait for Oppenheimer. I, I don't even understand. The, the biographer... Uh, did you see this? The biographer, the guy that wrote the book that the movie's based on, basically said he like was floored, like, and he's like still he's still trying to process. Well, he's, he's still <laughs> he's pewed. <laughs> um, he's still trying to process like what Nolan did yeah, in that movie. It, I and, it's and be phenomenal. I don't think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be a, just a thing that I don't need it to be fun. I can assure you, I definitely don't need it to be fun. All right, so who's gonna go first? Mario. I'll go first. So my top five movies of the year. Uh, are Dungeons and Dragons, number five, Guardians of the Galaxy, volume three, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Scream 6, and 
Blackberry. Blackberry's <laughs> better one. The drama. The drama. That's that's interesting. Do you feel like how do you feel about that list? Good. Well, just or in relation to like some of your other lists in like past in past years, like middle uh, of no, the no, year no, lists. No, like solid. I I was thinking about this because like Bones Afraid was something that was like popping up in my list for a while. Like I was getting higher, and I was like, I am not going to make this a top. 10 movie, which I didn't. Even though you didn't like it? Yeah, it ended up being like number 13 on Mm. my list. It's at the Um, bottom of my list, so. But, so like, my top movie of the year is probably easily Scream 6, because that has like, we've talked about this. Yeah. Me and Andy and I. Just like, it is a Avengers Endgame style movie. It it Mm kind of like pulls together all the screams. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. It just, it, it's definitely for nerds of the series. It's not. I don't think people that don't know Scream would really get as much out of it, but it's awesome. Uh, but I saw Blackberry, and I think Blackberry was like aggressively doing its own shit, which we talked about. You don't. We think just it was, yelled but, about yes. But I think <laughs> I think Blackberry is aggressively trying to like not be so prescient. I'm gonna be honest with moment. you. I'm gonna. I don't mean to interrupt you. I. I'm going to actively try to get somebody from that movie onto this show, like Matt Johnson. I'm going to, I'm going to, try, I'm Matt going to Ch- send it to him, and I'm going to be like Matt Johnson. This is the conversation we had about I your movie. You, we probably get Matt Johnson. I think we, we could get him. Get Watch the dirties, though. For God's well, if we're going to do it, that's the thing. We're going to do it. I love that. I love that. I love the movie. We'd watch. If Matt Johnson said yes, we're going to start a if podcast. If Matt Johnson said yes, it'd be we'd watch everything. Oh, we yes. would do a parody of a podcast and not watch any of his movies and be like, so what else have you done? Tell, tell me about that. What's you that movie fucking about? fucking nerd. <laughs> but when you go watch Do you it, always wear a bandana? I'm saying watch the 30s, but don't read anything about it. Just watch it. Well, the funny thing about that is, so you asked if I had seen any Matt Johnson movies, and I haven't seen any Matt Johnson movies that he's directed, but he was in Anne at 13,000 Feet, which is a movie from a couple years ago that I loved. Um, and at thirteen thousand feet, it's a it's, again, it's a Canadian movie. It's independent, um, but it had a great performance. Um, the the lead actress was terrific, and it was, was on that, my was it was on my list. Um, Dira, I forget her name. Yeah, because it's Where? deeply Canadian. Um, but we're doing that. I'm I'm literally gonna go home tonight. Maybe tomorrow morning I'll do it. Like I'll go home tonight and eat a bunch of Doritos and <laughs> drink a bunch of. Soda. I'm gonna go home. To, I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna walk downstairs and. Get really high and, and then watch Blackberry <laughs> for a third time. Yeah, maybe it is. Um, what's her name? Oh, it. It's on Amazon. Dira Campbell. She was on my list a couple years ago. Um, From what? And at thirteen thousand feet. But Matt Johnson is an actor in that movie. Okay, and he's very good in it. Never heard of this movie. I'm. I'm gonna have to check this. So, Andy, what is your top five? Oh, you go first. Mine's too close to yours. You want me to go first? Yeah, you or go. do you want to go first? Do you have top, uh, top five, JP? I'm just compiling everything I've seen this year, which... Uh, so, you, you see your top five. Movies is from, the, from this year. What was your favorite movie that you saw this year? I mean, it's going to be on all of our lists. <gasps> Heretic! It was my. It was, it's it's six. It was my number. <laughs> We're not doing it. Was a top my number six. three. It was my number three. So, I'm gonna. Um, so I'm gonna say like right off the bat, like Scream Six. I guess. Yeah. Scream Six. I guess. We um, 
we're going to do a little bit of a conversation about like you know the year in media after we do our, our movies real quick here. Just kind of what we've seen, what we've watched, and what we've listened to, and like what we're digging, what we're not digging, and where we are. Um, so to that point, I'm not sure where this thing falls into it, but my honorable mention is the the live, um, um, the filmed edition of of Spirited Away live on stage um, is incredible. The filming, the film is incredible. Um, I, I'm, it's probably not going to end up because it's not like a real movie per se, and it's not been like released officially it's just been some fathom events here um and it was recorded a while ago and what have you so it's it falls into these all these gray areas but in terms of when we do our moments of the year i never like worry too much about like yeah. just like moments you've seen on film when they um clean the river god and they you know and he like is is, is freed from the muck and the mire that he's covered in um the stage production of that is one of the most like joyous like Things I've seen how, on film in a long time. It. Well, just it's a it, they turn it into a musical number. So the whole stage is literally covered with puppets and actors, um, and they've got the river god's head is on a is on is on mm. like a stick, and it's got like just banners, and it's yeah. just in, fucking incredible. It's just it's you know, it was just so joyous. But again, it's not going to show up here because I'm not sure how it falls in here. Um, my list, I think, is not. An obvious, it's not full of obvious movies per se, but it's like obviously me. It's all Renfield. Um, it's all sad <laughs> movies and all hurts and it all makes an emotional impact. And I think this one of the things. Renfield one through five. <laughs> because I was, I never felt about myself than when I had watched Renfield. Um, it's funny. I went to work and I told a bunch of people like, don't. After we saw it and we talked about, it, I was like, do not see Renfield. It's fucking garbage. And they all went to see it. All even, these horror even, movie people that we just didn't have anything else to see, so we went even, to. And you're right, it was terrible. From you know what I'm talking about? I waited and watched it for free. So I can... And how did you feel about that? You feel it, bad? Was, it wasn't what I wanted. No, that's well, that's the thing, and that's what makes it hurt so much. Is that's definitely not what we wanted. Um, my number five movie is a Canadian movie, Ooh, which, is, which is hilarious. Blackberry? No, it's Blackberry. <laughs> no, it's much sadder than Blackberry. It's um, a kind of pseudo documentary. It's streaming on the Criterion Channel now. It's called Saint Maison, which means this house. Never seen it. It's um. It's um, it actually is about a death in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, a girl in 2008 was found hanged in her house, and they ruled it a suicide. And she hung. was a Haitian immigrant, and hung. they ruled it a suicide. What hung them right? Hung, yeah. yeah. And they ruled it a suicide, and they and this woman that made this, Miriam Charles, is a cousin of that woman, that girl. And so this really is kind of about. <clears throat> when I say it's like a pseudo documentary, there's a lot of stage things. There's a lot of sets. Um, there's a lot of things that like didn't happen. It's it's not like a it's not like a uh, like a, a Netflix documentary where they're trying to uncover the secret. She's yeah. actually just trying to get inside the trauma and get closer to this person that she wasn't close to that was dead before she was born or was able to kind of consciously. Um, be aware of of like the ramifications of this, and it's just really, really, it's it's really interesting. And there's there's parts of this movie that have kind of never, um, that have just been kind of like sitting with me since I saw it. And it's one of those things where I've just been trying to kind of puzzle out its meaning um, for a long, long time. My number four is a movie I've talked about on this podcast a lot, although we didn't talk about it when we did our horror movie thing, which is Ennis Men by Mark Jenkin. Um, it is. Um, a throwback to like a 70s folk horror movie. It would do a great double bill with um, men, but it has like less going on in it than men. But it's all about mood. It's all about vibe. Um, it's, it's 
horror elements are really limited, but it's it makes you feel shitty, um, and not shitty in like a like not shitty like a Saint um, Saint uh, Maison way, but or Saint like way. in a horror movie way. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Or even like a men way. You know what I mean? It's not trying to like fuck your life up. It's just trying to kind of get inside you and, yeah. and twist. Um, my number three is a movie that I recommend that you guys watch as soon as you get the chance to. Um, or everybody watch. It is um, Polite Society. Did you guys catch Polite Society I yet? Know. I did. You did? You liked it? Did it's you? fun. It's, I, I like it. I just, I think it's fun. I had a great, I, we had a great time watching Polite Society, which is probably one of the reasons that I like it so much. Uh, Nita Mazur is the director. It's her debut um, feature film. She worked on. It's very cute. Yeah. It's super cute, but it's also like, it kicks ass. And it, the thing that it did that I was surprised it did, and this is kind of one of those, maybe this is like a, you know, a way that I could have talked about Blackberry oh, yeah, too. Yeah, I remember the trailer. The trailer looked good on this. I just no. yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah. it. You think, it's spoiler alert, you think there's an opportunity for this at some point, like three quarters of the way through the movie, to still be all in her head. And then when the movie decides that it's not all in her head, you're just like, oh, it's an it action movie. Fucking balls to the walls, yeah. Right, but like, you're like, oh, it's doing it. It's like going all the way yeah. there with like a crazy premise and like a villain and um, the villain's played by um, Nimra Bucha, who is in Ms. Marvel, who's one of the clandestine in Ms. Marvel, if like anyone's like super interested in that. But it was it was um, exciting and a kind of a breath of fresh air. Um, is that on, on Peacock? It's on Peacock, so yeah. I will be watching this tonight. Right. So. It's, <laughs> and it'll be, again, it's pro- it probably it may not blow your doors off, but the script is really good. The performance blow is really good. Off. The fights are pretty good. But their and but their stage, it's a kind of really interesting, and this was good for my family, is that it was really interesting kind of amalgam of like Scott Pilgrim and like Kill Bill yeah, and like Bollywood stuff. Of, that's what I sort of got out and of it. And it's good. Trailer, it's so. super, super fun. Nice. Um, my number two is Across the Spider-Verse. I mean, I'm not sure what else we need to say about Across the Spider-Verse. I just think it's amazing. Um, and my number one is showing up. Um, and it's, I mean, something would really have to happen Um which is what happens to me in all these. Richard Brady is has uh, showing up as his number one movie too. So. And because you told me that, I was like, I'm not gonna read this one. I'm oh. gonna wait until like the end of the year because I want my feelings to be non influenced by Brody. Um, it's, I mean, again, something would have to happen for it to, yeah, for so it to I'll, shift out. Of I will there. talk about my top five. My top five currently are Dungeons and Dragons. You already did this. You, we did, yeah, you already oh. did your. You went first. Just cut this out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so so mine's pretty similar to Mario, except Spider-Man made my, was six. So I had way more fun watching Sisu, which is my number five movie of the year. And I highly recommend it, like I did last time. My kids are deeply interested in what Sisu is, because there's all these trailers on some channel now that it's on VOD, and they're like, what is that? Can we watch that? (laughs) Probably not. It's like, no. And then Dungeons and Dragons number four. I just rewatched it. It's still friggin' rules. And then Gar- Guardians three, Scream six, and then Blackberry number one. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, I've talked about all these on this podcast. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have talked a lot about Scream six. No, I guess not really. I think we were pretending that it was still a two person podcast. No. So I mean, we can go back to maybe I should watch Scream six now that it's available. There's probably going to be a, a, an aggressive Scream 6 campaign. To do what? By, I don't know, just like, I imagine it's going to be like two of our best interesting movies. Of I'll, the I'll say that by two through four, I bet I switched around like Guardians, 
Dungeons Dragons and Scream Six. I just I like them all kind of equally, so I just didn't know where to put them all. Well, so. I'm re- I'm in a place where the Guardians <clears throat> Guardians was my number six. Like very honestly, and almost and controversially for me, I'm really kind of only in a position here where I want to do I want to engage with things that are like difficult or like deeply moving. Yeah. Um, because everything else just kind of like I, I I can just like fast forward through it. Like I'm just not interested anymore. And Guardians it's did very, kick my ass. Yeah. But it does have like uh, the more I've thought about it, the more deeply offended I've become by like the first like scenes with like Adam Warlock. I just so Marvel like there, and I'm just like, oh, I wish that we could just get rid of that and just get to like the pain. I just yeah, yeah. want more heart pain and less like Adam Warlock beating people up. Oh. And then the Florence and the Machine song, I've listened to that song a lot because it's on the algorithm for some one of like the radio stations that it makes for me on Spotify. And I'm just like, oh, I don't love this song. And so it cheapens the end for me. But so <laughs> like, it's bookended by scenes that I kind of wish which they could do which differently. Which is like the but purgatory like, of like leaning into this. Like what is like the best media we've listened to of 2022? Like do you want to do TV and, and like music and video games? Just all. So actually, I'm gonna. I really want to hear this. You have to tell me what the best album you've heard this year is, because I'm off of. I'm off the list, the rock list, and everyone's gonna. You and you and my dad are dragging me to rock shows, and I'm like, I'm willing to give it a shot, but like, I'm deeply unmoved by rock music, like recently. Yeah, there's not. I mean, I'm, I'm not that tuned into what's been going on lately. Um, you'd have to come back to me. I'd have to find something. But that, that tells you, like, there's nothing I could just go, it's this. Yeah. But I've been, my year has been concerts, you know, so I don't know if that what counts as media. What's sure. your like, your favorite concert this year, then? So I had a weekend in March where I saw the uh, Remain in Light show at College Street. Mm. It was the best, one of the best musical things I've ever seen. And then the next night in New York, I saw Unwound, and that was incredible. Mm-hmm. And, um... Just Friday night, Ethan and I went into New York and saw the musical box perform The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway oh, for awesome. one of the last times. And then they encored. You know, they, it's not like a tri- it's not just a tribute band. It's, it's Gen- a Genesis record. Genesis, uh, yeah. Hmm. So Genesis said, here's all the stuff from back then. Yeah. Here, here's the slide projector. Here's all the stuff. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, they have the costumes, they have the slideshow, huh. they have everything. They're like, go for it. And uh, yeah, and then they encored with the musical box and the knife. And though Ethan, like, I perceived maybe a couple times where he nodded his head for like a moment, I was like, are you flagging? Should we, should we cut out of the encore? He's like, no, this yeah. is, he's like, this is good. <laughs> like, this is really good. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. I wouldn't know it, but. Uh, yeah, they're they're fantastic. If you get a chance to see them, see it. I mean, we're going to see Steve Hackett, I think, in November. Eight. Oh, okay. Something, something like that. I don't know. My dad got them. Like they're, you know, he's Genesis. They're Genesis guys. I was grew up sure. a Genesis guy, but um, yeah. I mean, my like my deep media stuff this year is is like I I thought The Last of Us was okay. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Like I didn't think it was perfect by any stretch of the imagination, it was fun, yeah. but I thought it, I thought it did what it needed to do. I mean, we've been going to a lot of Broadway shows, so like we saw Kimberly Akimbo pretty recently. We saw um, uh, the sign outside Sydney 
Brewstein's window, which had Oscar Isaac and Rachel Brosnahan, which was excellent. Oh, that one, yeah. Because Oscar Isaac is just good at everything. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of like, that's where my, I don't know, my heart is kind of in like the live theater space. Like I've been talking to a woman and a 20-year-old guy who works at the library who plays guitar. This woman is, is learning to play drums. And, and I was like, well, let's, play, let's form a band. And we'll write 12 songs that only have two chords. And we'll go play one show. And that will be the end of the band. That would be amazing. And they're just kind of like, oh, why? And I'm just like, because if it's not like spontaneous and like feels fresh and energetic. It doesn't like, mean anything. I've just have, yeah. I've, I've got, I've seen, I've seen too many shows at this point. Like that Guided by Voices show we went to a couple years ago. I'm looking at JB. Yeah. Not a couple years ago, like a couple months ago. was sad. And he yeah. broke his knee really soon after that, doing a fucking high kick. Well, and I was going to ask, having seen Super Chunk now, are you... Are you We're going ready? back. Oh, yeah, you're going ballroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Um, and I'm going to bring my dad, and I'm going to bring my kid. Nice. Because it's going to... Because Super Chunk kicks ass, and they rock, and they're loud, and they're fun. But, like, that's... For me, that's nostalgia. I'll bring Ethan, then. That'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can hang out, and they that can have good. their... Yeah. Taste their first beers together. <laughs> um, but like the album, the album of the year for me, again, this is a weird thing. The album of the year for me is an album called Does Spring Hide Its Joy, which was released in March. This, this organist named Callie Malone, who's, who's American born, but she lives in um, Switzerland and she's an organist and she just plays the organ, but it's incredible. But, and it's three out, it's three LPs. It's like, I don't know, six songs. And it's five hours long, Holy the album. Shit. But it's like the best. It's this is, but this is where I am with art, yeah. and I just okay. and it's. I struggle with it all the time. That's why, like, when you were like, when you switched it to media, I was like, we can add like an extra hour and a half to this if you wanted to, because like yeah. me and media are like, I'm at war with this all the Having time. Having our own thing, yeah. Um. So you and but and Tears of the Kingdom, like that's the thing, yeah. like that's a video game. That's it's my Tears favorite of the media of the year. It's not even me close. and my son, literally all day. He's I have, have two hundred hours into it. There you go. So. He fucking scraped his knee. He fell. We were getting we we're coming oh, back yeah. from Costco. Yeah, he scraped his knee, and he was like, "Ah, oh, my knee really hurts." Yeah, I saw that, and that was why I saw it because I was like, "My guy's gonna have one like just like that," and he literally for four hours today was just like doing shrines, doing side quests. Showing me weapons that he made. That's all I did today. So. Like he picked up that thing where he you can build your your and he so he's just like I built this. Look at this thing that I built. And he's naming his like bikes that he's built. Yeah. And that's just kind of that's where that's where we are. Um. And like we're watching, but to go back, the thing we're watching as a family is this sitcom that was on ABC for three seasons called Speechless. Um. It's it's like a mini driver. But the what, like, it's about a guy. It's about a kid who is has cerebral palsy and he's nonverbal. So it's like about his family and like the stuff that they go through. But it's an excellent show, yeah. and there are no shows like this anymore. Really, like okay. it's just it, I'm just I'm just kind of the it's more that I kind of go through my day and like these months, the more I'm kind of like checked out of like stuff. But like that's where I'm hoping that like live concerts kind of bring me back to like feeling like, like raw back stuff again. Yeah. yeah, and maybe that was COVID that did that to me. That made me more insular. The week before Super Chunk, you should go to Quasi at the ballroom. I want to go to Quasi. Yeah. I want to bring, no, but that's that's. I mean, I want to bring like my daughter and all of her friends and just be like, just watch Janet Weiss yes. do everything. Be the best 
best drummer, one of the best ones. And they'll be like, this is, this is terrible. I can't see my phone here. All right, who's next? Well, Tears of the Kingdom is my favorite movie of the year. It's like, it's not close. But if you want to go TV, it's, it's a tie between Succession and Barry. I think those were two of the best shows ever, I would say. Almost. I watched that last episode of Succession. It was good. Yeah. It's a really, really good show. Um, I've been in on the show since the, uh-huh. it's, since the beginning, and I just, I just love it. Um, and Barry's the most artistic, creative, oddly I'm so funny, afraid. sad. so afraid. Yeah, so you haven't it's, finished yeah. Barry, right? I haven't even started it because no. I just, again, I kind of know what happens, and I'm just, I'm not afraid. Still, I, it's happening. It's just so... I just, it's so dark, and I feel like I'm not 100% ready for the darkness. Yeah. It, there's so much comedy in it, though, that it, I know. it does balance it out so well. Like, it is very dark. <laughs> yeah, I know. Which I just, I, what did I, I was listening to The Watch, and they were talking about, you know, Andrew Greenwald, who I would also love to get on the show. Andy. Would be, uh, they were talking about, like, when she gets the kid drunk to get him to go to sleep. That was so fucked And up. I was just like, what? Like, because I'm following through these podcasts, and I'm just like, okay, what the fuck is happening now? But I think the last episode of Barry was one of the great episodes, like, or of season three was, like, one of the great episodes in the history of television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the things that, like, happened or and that you didn't even see in that, like, the what is it, a panther or a tiger? Oh, yeah. yeah. Th- that's unmatched, I think, and even in film in the last couple of years for just, like, tension building and, like, just like raw visceral emotion attached to a thing like what is it what is happening is this going to happen to noho hank and the way that they did it was just perfect i love noho hank man um i can't wait to see what bill hater does next i want to see him do a movie and i will be there opening night like it's going to be so what he says is next he's he's got a horror movie like percolating like in the hopper i'm pretty excited for that then oh i'm gonna miss him not acting because he was phenomenal Show. But I guess I mean season three kind of made it clear too. He clearly like was done want, with Barry, yeah, yeah. like was past it. Yeah. yeah. So. What about you, Mario? What's what media is feeding your media? Uh, so the media I am super into is uh, the Bloodline story from WWE. What is this? So this is like so basically. Uh, there's been a long-standing story with WWE, right? Like, there's been a guy who's been a champion for 1,000 days now. Is like, that what it is? I don't it's Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns? Roman Reigns, yeah. yeah. I heard about this, and they denied Cody Rhodes? Yeah, he he, he lost it. Um, and his cousins now are, like, the two people who, are like, maybe are going to be the people who will beat him for it or be the ones who stand up against him. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Rook, Cody Rhodes' cousins? No, no, no. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns' cousins? cousins? Who are his cousins? Usos. Right? Usos, the yeah. Uso brothers, yeah. Who are they? They're just <clears throat> some guys. Why is this happening, do you think? Uh, is it McMahon? I'm, I'm not a No, this guy, is this so. is beyond McMahon. I think it's like a, a very... This is the same family that like produced all the... Yeah, they, it's, like, it's like a real like, Triple H thing. It's, it's Oh, really? Triple H is like building up to like this... Very heavy story. So, the entire thing with wrestling has been like, obviously, like Roman Reigns is doing his own thing. He has a thousand day reign, blah, blah, blah. It's a long fucking time to be yeah. fucking champ. 
three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a long time. I'm not even following anymore, but that's like intense. But this past week has been leading into the fact that Jay Uso is like the guy. Like, so this entire story started with Jay Uso being the one that said like, I don't like the fact that Roman Reigns is champion. Okay. And now we're like leading into the fact that like Roman Reigns is, or sorry, Jay Uso is down below and says like, I am tuning out of this story. Mm. And it's fun. It's interesting. It's it's weird. It's it's fun. It's dumb, but it's very. Is it working? It's working. Okay, I think easily. I you. Well, I've just I just know from you because I am just getting back into wrestling after decades off. But but it it, it is it is interesting. Um, WWE has a problem where they don't know who's gonna. Someone has to get that title, obviously. And yeah. I think this is the story that I feel like they've been building for years trying to figure out who can yeah. hold it. And it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting. And then this is like, these well, are actually people that are at least somewhat related. Like, that's no, the whole no, no, bloodline all, thing is one of the old, like, wrestling families from, like, I, I feel like as though the entire story is, like, all that, so. so the entire story is, like, nobody knows who, like, is going to beat Reigns because, like, they've built this up too much. But like this story, I think they can maybe make a, st- a story out of it. Where like, it's Jay Uso is Jay Uso a good like successor to Roman Reigns? Yeah, he is. Uh, for a while, like he'll take the title for like three months and then. Well, because that was always the conversation, right? Is that like they kept building up these people seemingly? And this is listening to Ringer podcast where yeah. Bill Simmons will every six months will do like a you know a WWE thing, and you're like, oh, I can kind of keep up with like the storylines. It seems like they've been building people up to take this title, and then they just have said, like, nope. They're not good enough. Nope. No thanks. Roman well, think, Reigns gets to keep it. I think Uso is, like, Jey Uso is in a perfect position, I think, to, like, win it right now. So now is Cody Rhodes going to leave? Because every, the rumor was no, that he's, he came he's back guy. from AEW just because the they promised yeah. him the title. No, he's just a guy who's, like, being a guy. I mean, that's what Mario told me, so that's why I was like, no. I think And they like kind a, of fuck dude. him over. Like, just being a guy. Hmm. I don't know. It's very complicated. It's one of those things where, like, uh, it's we've talked about this. Well, it's great the also because, like, AEW has this conversation now too. Because, like, you know, um, CM Punk's back. So, does he have the title? No. Who has the title? Uh, MJF, which is a dude. Just like uh, he's he's pretty fun. Why don't they I give like it to him. Sting? Because <laughs> he because he should be in an old folks home probably at this point. Just give it Sting to him. Sting would love to be like in the old folks. Home. Sting's got name. Yeah, he's like please Sting stop. Sting would just be like please put me. My in. pectoral muscles are dead from getting <laughs> knife edge chopped. Yeah, yeah. It's I, it's like ingrained in my soul. Yeah. So like even though I don't watch it anymore, like I can't fully shake. My brother watches it and Mario watches it, so I can't like shake it from like my life. So like whenever they do like an episode, I'm like, I'll yeah. I'll listen to this. Mario gets all the pay reviews, so I come over and watch them. So it's like, yeah, it's fun. They're fun. I don't watch the the weekly shows or anything, but it's Mario but, Mario recaps it for me during the pay per view. So no Tears of the Kingdom yet though. Well, you no don't switch? Have a switch. I thought that I was happening. I have a switch. I do have a switch. I do have a whatever. No no Tears of the Kingdom for me. Why no? Well, I thought you were getting a switch. I just did not get. A switch. So then we could play Mario Party. We just got one. I wish. Nice. See, JP's got one. Yeah. So talk to JP. You gotta let us know. We can play Mario Party. Oh, wait till Tears of the Kingdom though, because that is way better. Even. I'm but I like. I, 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 I exactly. Party Saturday. He'll have 
Tears. I like Breath of the Wild better. Really? It seems pure. I think the story was stilted in Breath of the Wild. I it like the was story. So st- in it was the so stilted. So the story is way better. I just it wants too much for me. And Breath of the Wild did. Oh yeah, it's Breath heavy. of the Wild wanted nothing from me. Yeah, it is the. It, here's like, tripling up the map was like a. a here's a story yeah. beat. Now go do something else for seventy hours, and then you could pick this story beat back up whenever you wanted. Yeah, and like you could like walk into a cave, and you're just like, what's in this cave? Fish and gems. It's, yeah, yeah, and then you're just like, oh my god, and then I'd be like, Linus, I found a cave. There's fish and gems. And the bubble. Frog. Was your wife excited about the fish? Uh, she was more of an Animal Crossing person. So we got our Switch at the, in May of the pandemic year. So which came, it was a, a bundle from GameStop, which came with um, Mario Kart. No, it didn't come with Mario Kart. It came with Animal Crossing. Oh, it came with Animal Crossing, Breath of the Wild, and Minecraft. Like a download for Minecraft. Yeah, yeah. And so they were. The, she was the one that was on the Reddit message boards trying to get turnip prices. Oh, I... I and, like, traveling I, to islands to get high I, turnip I've prices. Been, I've been, I've And done. we were the ones that, like, my mom would come over to visit, like, during the pandemic with, like, a mask on and, like, use it over here. And we're, like, doing stuff in Breath of the Wild and we're, like, ignoring her because, like, <laughs> me and the kids are just, like, sitting on the couch being, like, we haven't showered in, like, three <laughs> days. And we're just like, okay, okay, so when Master Koga does a thing, just shoot an arrow at him and it'll fall on his head. It's like, okay... Like, no, Linus, no, no. Just, like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And, you know, he's like, oh, we did. That was like, that was Breath of the Wild for us. I, lo- I love fun. that game, too. Oh. So, I, mean, I, just, I love Zelda anyway, and these are just way better than any Zelda game ever before them. So. I mean, if you love the things that are worked out for you, you can tweet us that. You can't. Oh, fuck. Twitter's not going to exist soon. <laughs> do you want to do that? Tech corner. When does Elon Musk finally give it up? How many billions of dollars is he going to lose before he's like, Nah, I don't want to do this anymore. Just, just he's just going to throw this just, toy in the trash and like walk away. <laughs> well, every time he needs like a big boost, he's like, Oh, Trump was right about something, and everyone's like, Nobody fucking gives a shit anymore about this. I'm going to bring Ron DeSantis on a live stream, and then it's not going to yeah, work. Guess who everybody <laughs> yeah. hates now? Ron DeSantis. I I tried my best to like Ron DeSantis. No, I tried my best to like present. A nice end of our podcast. I know. <laughs> you did good. I did good. Our nope. domain renewed, so we still own the oh, name, pivotalfilm.com. Nice. Oh. I saw that in my credit card statement. Nice. <laughs> I also saw the, like, yeah, I, I, we had our own. One day. One day, Mario, I'm just going to show up with like a brick of hundreds. Be like, there you go, my friend. Thank you for hosting this for however many years. Sorry. Well, now I'm sorry. <laughs> and now Tom's got to go home and try to get Matt Johnson on the podcast, and then. Wait, we have to get. Uh, yeah, we may things. actually have to reopen the Twitter. Because yeah. how else I, are we going to communicate? Maybe, maybe Instagram. Johnson, I don't know. Why? That'd be so fun. It's too much. Too much what? Too much He's Canadian. Canadian. He'll be so nice. He'll be drinking a Tim Hortons coffee while we're talking to him. <laughs> no, fine. Yeah. Where's if as long as he doesn't live in. No, they're all like roughly. It's American like, time. I mean, not American. Like, but time Toronto. zones are like American the same. Time. Toronto American is time, Eastern yeah. time zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, as I say, as long as he's not in Vancouver, but Vancouver is just West Coast. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because he's American Toronto. time. Well, I keep for the library. I keep trying to want to get um, people to come speak. 
but the people that want to come speak are all British. And so they're like, what's convenient, what's good for us would be, you know, 1230 in the morning for them. So that's, that's not an ideal situation, but I bet, I bet he would do it. I fucking bet you he would do it. I bet you we can get all of them. We'll see. Maybe he can tell you why Blackberry is the best movie of the year so far. <laughs> Real embarrassing for you. <laughs> that would be. Yeah, I'd be. I get owned that that day. Matt Johnson, you win. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. If two, uh, maybe a, a couple. Maybe a couple. Yeah, because we. I forgot all the pretty horses. I forgot that one. Uh, I'm not doing that movie. I'm not reading that book. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not gonna read. Not gonna read it. You gotta watch it. Oh, okay. There's four of them, right? Yeah. All the Pretty Horses, the road. the road, Child of God, and well, we are. I mean, we don't really have to talk about No Country for Old Men. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm gonna have to share my list. So we'll, we'll, more we'll, information we'll on this it. later, folks. Have a, later. Have a good one. All right.